Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Jeremiah, I'm excited about having the entrepreneurial guru on the show today. So I uh, love where we're going to go with this. And our pre-show work was a lot of fun. So uh, excited to have you on. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate it very much. So thank you. You know, I, as we look at entrepreneurs and, you know, what it takes to step the big, bold step to go out there and become an entrepreneur, you know, it, 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 it's, it's scary and all the stuff that goes along with it. Mm. You know, uh, it, it's, it's fun to watch uh, them go, you know, people go through this and be bold. And I think, you know, having someone like yourself who's a coach and supporting them through this, this big step is a big deal, huh? Oh, absolutely. It can be absolutely terrifying, but at the same time, extremely rewarding, especially if you have a good group of mentors and, and people to kind of help you along the way, because it can be a very lonely uh, career or activity. Being an entrepreneur, I think, as, as you're aware of as well, we're often working yep. in our own kind of laboratories by ourselves. And, and uh, I think that's the more scary aspects of entrepreneurship, but it doesn't have to be that way either. You know, I, I think that that's one of the things that I go through all the time as an entrepreneur. It, it feels like, you know, I'm supposed to know all the answers. And the truth is, I, I can't. You, there's no way possible that I can know all of the answers that are that are happening. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, that, that lonely feeling of be, being out here, alone, uh, you know, it was, it was always been tough. And one of the I did, but the best, if, if I would have known before, I did it, how great it was going to be was, was getting a, a business, mm. right? Or, you know, I, I'd, I'd owned CDO group for, you know, 20 plus years wow. at the time. And I had, you know, we'd grown great, we made millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And it, I was stuck with, I was going to be stuck. I was going to be stuck for the rest of my life running this business. And if I ever stopped running, I was going to, mm -hmm. you know, it was like a shark. I had to keep swimming. Right. And All the pressure. All day, I've got bad shoulders because I felt like I carried a lot of and, and atlas. Some sense, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, in some sense, it, I did right. At some, at some sense, you know, I was good at the business. Mm -hmm. It was great to do it, but I would bring people on, and I didn't know how to grow them, and mm. I, that was I was great at doing construction, yeah, really great at that, but I wasn't really great at the accounting or the how to run a business or how to grow people business, mm -hmm. right? That's another skill that, you know, great entrepreneurs don't get. They're, they're great at their business, but Correct. those other parts about growing business, that's hard. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think almost probably if we were to ask 100 entrepreneurs right now, they would say they've probably been through the same thing. Um, we start with something, uh, either we've, you know, start out at a young age as an entrepreneur, but maybe more likely we've worked somewhere, uh, found a problem we wanted to solve, uh, thought we could solve, we set out on our own to to solve it um, and really get focused on that aspect. And then you pick up everything else from invoicing to billing, to hiring, to building the team. But it's hard to transition that um, over to other people. It's It's literally like Probably, I would say it's once a business is up and running and generating revenue, it's probably one of the largest struggles that most entrepreneurs have because one, I don't think we've really been trained to do that. And we're so focused on getting clients, keeping them happy, keeping them paying, keeping everything running. It requires a different strategic mindset to be able to start to kind of offset and give empower people on your team or bring new people onto the team and empower them to do those 
parts that maybe we're not the most passionate about or the strongest at so that we can continue to do the thing that that we love to do every day. And I've personally been through it as well. Um, it, it was it was extremely difficult. Like you're literally kind of like spinning plates every day and hoping that none of them fall, but you would really secretly, you're, you're struggling and you would just love to be able to give this one piece to someone and this other piece over here. And if I could just get a little bit more time, I wouldn't be so stressed out. So I, I do think that is that delegation or empowering is, is a, it's a, an extremely uh, difficult thing, but sometimes I often refer to it as a high-class problem in business as well, because it means we're doing something right from a pure business perspective. So we actually have a business that's running and now that need is kind of a natural progression of of growing a business, at least from my opinion. No, I mean, you're you're right on, and I think you know that's the stuff that uh, uh, I, I look forward to us getting into. You know, I, I want to go back a little bit. How did mm -hmm. you, you know, you know, getting into the business that you're in, right, and being able to coach entrepreneurs? Mm -hmm. I mean, where, where did that how does that start with? How did you get into this at the beginning? <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a long, strange journey as one of those, or a strange trip. I, I forget the band, Grateful Dead or something, right? Um, for me, it was, I was kind of, um, I would say lucky in a sense that my parents were entrepreneurs out of necessity. And um, my mother was the oldest of 11 children, uh, and my father was the youngest of seven. Um, due to certain circumstances, neither of them had graduated from high school, but they had a lot of responsibility because early in their um, marriage, they decided to, before I was born, to adopt and to foster children. And we had a huge family, over 56 foster children over a few decades had, had been raised in, in my parents in our home, a little three bedroom, one bath house in, the, up, in upstate New York in the countryside. And my parents knew that there weren't, wasn't a lot of industry. They didn't have even if there was, they didn't have the degrees to be able to become employed. So out of necessity, my father started a mechanic business fixing cars, and my mother uh, went into the hair salon business as a beautician. And then things started to progress where they decided to buy a multifamily rental property and restore and rehab the whole thing. And there was an outbuilding on that. And, and all along, they're taking us kids along with them to help. And we're kind of learning and we're like, these little sponges, you know, were maybe five or six years old at the time when all this started. So for me, it was just, that was a normal way of life. Like that's all I knew. Um, and early on, just seeing things being built and seeing problems being solved and seeing paying customers come in and out. I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. And this is before video games. To me, this is like a real life video game. So I thought, wow, this is really neat. One, people are really happy. They um, like to buy the service. So they like what they're getting. My parents are happy. Their lifestyle's changing. As they're building businesses, they're able to help our immediate family and then to also employ other people and help other people. And, and honestly, that's at a young age, I caught the entrepreneurial bug where some of my other siblings, they didn't catch the same thing. But I just saw it as a, wow, you can solve problems for people and then you get paid for that. That's the literal thing that caught my attention as a little kid. And then um, in high school, I started my own 
uh, lawn care business, as many of us do, we find a, a business paper route, lawn care business, something like that, painting houses, whatever it may be. And I learned some lessons there that uh, I didn't quite realize until you know later in life, but it, just being able to service clients, have a recurring business model where the clients come back every week, they're paying you. And um, I just caught that bug at a very, very young age. And then it translated into starting a business in college where we we had built the first, this was during the dot-com boom in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. We were invited to build the very first website for the National Soccer Hall of Fame from our dorm room. You know, just some young kids that were at the right place at the right time, solving problems for people when the market, you know, really wanted it. And that translated into doing some work for Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, doing um, some advertisements for one of their allergy drugs, building online banners and so forth. And we ended up selling the company. And it's just, that I've always been in that entrepreneurial problem solving space since I was a little kid. And I, I really have to thank my parents for taking such a large risk, but then also involving us and not keeping us away from it because just being around it as, at that age and looking and watching, I, I remember just thinking like, this is what I want to do for, for like everything, every minute, every day, the rest of my life. And then you know, obviously decades go by and you ended up, you know, you end up doing more and more and more of it. So I, I would say it's, it's a passion for me, not only running business, but helping others uh, get their businesses going too. You know, I think that's, that's a big deal, right? It's seeing, you know, the learning of running a business that it's okay, that you're going to, you're going to go out there and take a risk yeah. and the necessity kind of kicks you in the butt a little bit, right? Gives you a little bit of a, you know, I, I always say that, uh, uh, just about everything I ever did, I was driven by fear of being yeah, broke. It's a you know? it's a benevolent or not benevolent motivator. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was it was great. You know, uh, my, my, one of my first you know that uh, a lawn care business a kid was great. The, the car yeah. car washing, tailing business was great, and you know, the motivator was you know that uh, you know <laughs> as I as I moved out of the house, you know rent. Like, okay, I get yeah. time to get up, yeah. get up a little earlier and got out there and knocked on a few more doors and absolutely the company, you know, it was, it was great. And then, uh, and then learning that, that all that stuff you talked about, you know, uh, I, I think this is a great spot to start into uh, starting to look at, all right, I'm a young person or here, I'm an old person. I'm a person and I want to, I want to go become an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right? I decide I'm tired of working for somebody. I want to take things on myself. I want to go do that. What's ground zero? When, when we're talking sure. about entrepreneur and you're, what's ground? Where do we want to start? Yeah, I think I could share. I, well, I think maybe the best way is that I can share from my own experience. I mean, I really think that's probably the only way I can really give true advice on this is that even though I had companies in high school, we had it in college, we sold it. I thought this is cool, but I hadn't had any corporate experience. I'm going to go into big corporate and that's where it's really at. So I went myself, went into corporate, got a great job, was very thankful, was flying all over the country. It was the early days of uh, the CRM business before salesforce.com, which many listeners are probably very aware of, huge company now. But before that, there was a company called Siebel uh, CRM, started by a gentleman in 1993, Tom Siebel. And it was in 1999 when I started implementing their product, it was the fastest growing company in the United States history at that point, according to a to an article that I read recently. And I, I didn't know that at the time. I was just blinders on working and thought this is going to be great. I quickly realized I'm not sure I like all the politics and all of the kind of inside of corporate life. My experiences in entrepreneurship 
were, I had a lot more freedom. I felt better. And I had really wanted to go back and be an entrepreneur again. So kind of starting at, at that point, um, you know, kind of a, a guilty admission here is I was doing very well at a, at a, at a corporate job. Um, I was pretty much kind of fired or, or let go. I later realized it's because they were looking to sell the company. At the time, I thought, oh my gosh, I did something, you know, terribly wrong. But they ended up selling the business and I just bought my first home. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm in my 20s. I have this huge responsibility. I, literally three months prior, I just you know bought this house and I had to make the payments. So my mindset was, what can I provide? What problem can I solve for what market? And do I have the ability to reach these people with some consistency, uh, be it advertising, my personal network, or whatever it may be. So my mindset always kind of goes back to the training I got from kind of mentoring and apprenticeship with my father business where everything starts with someone else, not me, someone, the customer says, I got a problem and I want to pay someone to solve that for me, either a problem for something to be fixed, or I want to buy something to gain, um, you know, something that I want. So I always look at things from that kind of lens in that, What's the problem? And is the market willing to, in general, to pay or to buy that thing? That's number one, because I really look at two things. And then the second thing is, do they want to buy it from me? Or are they saying like, no way, I don't like what you have to offer. This is terrible. It's too much. I don't believe you. You don't have enough credibility, whatever it may be. So I try to, it's another thing that's very important for me is to boil down the complexity of business into the most simple frameworks possible. So that's why I always look at the two things. Do they exist? Does someone really want to buy this? Are they actively buying it from someone else? And then two, do they, can I convince them or give them a strong enough offer to where they want to buy it from me over all other options available to them? So I started with that. And that's when I got into uh, a business of generating sales leads for technology companies, since that's the space that I came from. And I understood their very complex buying cycle and all that kind of stuff. So my advice to, to a long answer to, to a brief question, but is to start with the problem that the market has versus trying to come up with an idea in a vacuum. And then two, um, to our earlier point is get as much feedback as you possibly can as quickly as possible and also start building your network of mentors and people that can help you along your journey um, as much as, as quickly as, as you can. And don't be shy to ask for help, which I was very shy to ask for help. I, I, here, I, I want to stop for a second and really hit on this because they're not hearing. I, I, I didn't hear it. I, people said this to me all the time and, and I couldn't hear it. I don't know if it was ego or fear mm. or what it was. It, it's it, you're afraid to step out and say, hey, I could you help me? How did you do this? You know, uh, all the all mm -hmm. the things I learned on early on, they would say, get a mentor. Mm. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know what there was. Yeah, but we don't know what that me. means. What does that mean? Yeah, I didn't, I, no framework for it but you know what's funny about it is everybody who i ever talked to was happy to help right mm -hmm. there and, and by the way when young entrepreneurs talk to me it's like i'm happy to help them right I, I i know what's going every entrepreneur that's of, of worth any crap in the world if mm -hmm. a young person or, or anybody comes in hey I, i'm looking for help and how to do this you know Correct. they're happy to tell them their experience about <laughs> how to do this and what they did and, and i think that fear is and i stopped to say that so that the person people that are out there hearing this they can really hear that mm -hmm. it's important to find a network of people to to help do that now that doesn't mean that 
you're going to lean on them to do all the work because truth is you, you got to do the work right you got to get out right. there and you know like i remember early on at when i first started cdo group i had worked like you i i had mm -hmm. worked for multiple companies and i kept losing you know in construction you know, when you go to work for uh, Blockbuster Video or Einstein Bagels or, or mm -hmm. Discovery Zone, Boston Market, I kept working myself out of a job. Right? Mm -hmm. We build all these locations. Then the company, I'd get to knock on the door and say, hey, we're not, you, know, you didn't do anything wrong. We got to let you go. Mm -hmm. And you know, we're not building anymore. And I'd work myself out of a job. And, and I thought to myself, this is painful. Right? Mm -hmm. This is pain. And I was in, like you, in my early, my, my mid-20s and uh, starting to hit my late 20s. I'm like, I... I got a house payment and a wife and I, you know, I, mm. I, I want to build a family mm -hmm. and I can't keep losing my job. I had, I had six jobs and, you know, under 10 years. And it was like nothing I had done, <laughs> but I was like, I, I can't do this. So the first, you know, I was like, I'm going to start a company doing this. And yep. I joined up with a couple of guys to do it together. And, uh, you know, four of us kind of joined a little group and we started on the floor, right. Wow. Uh, on someone's so literally on someone's floor of their, their living room. Wow. And, uh, you know, that was necessity. It was literally, the thought was, I just don't want to keep getting that knock on the door. I and I like you, I'd worked my took us off for these people yeah. for years. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd put and it's you know, that, some that of those pain, I, right? You feel it, it happens once, and then it might happen twice, and it keeps happening, and you're like, ah, I know it doesn't have to be this way. And I think that is a, for many folks. I don't know the stats on this, but I would bet if we talk to several entrepreneurs, it's probably the most common reason why um entrepreneurs got started especially successful entrepreneurs will share a similar story because you and i as you're talking it, i think we were in different obviously different cities growing up but the same story different location yeah you know the fear of and that same thing you were talking about that office politics stuff that as as, as scary as it is to be an entrepreneur it was mm -hmm. scarier to say the wrong thing at the office it was yeah. scarier to walk in and wonder what mood mm -hmm. everybody was in. Did I say that I pissed that person off today? Sure. The politics stuff. I I would say that the fear I experienced becoming an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. right, of of growing and going through that fear of am I going to pay my bills, was nowhere near as much as the fear of one day someone coming in and firing me because of right. some wrong move I made. Right. Yeah, subjective decision. You don't have a choice. Um, you could you're one minute you think you're doing great. Someone for whatever reason that has authority more than you do says, Hey, uh, this is your last day, or here's your two weeks notice, or or whatever it may be. You experience that a couple of times and you quickly start to realize, especially if you have a skill set where you're you've taken the time to be a, a real craftsperson at, at what you do, a, a professor of your craft, and you got really good at delivering demonstrable outcomes. At a young age, even you'll quickly start to realize something's not quite right here. Like I have the ability to deliver results, but for some reason, this job thing isn't really working out. And I keep feeling like I'm starting over and over and over again. And it always reminds me of kind of the, there's this kind of story where the fisherman was fishing and it's like the crabs in the bucket and the young man standing next to me says, Hey, that crab's going to crawl out of the bucket. You better stop it. And he's like, oh, don't worry. The the other crabs will, you know, kind of pull them back into the bucket. And I always that always stuck with me as I learned that in maybe junior high school or something like that. But it always stuck with me. Like, that's the feeling that I had a lot of times in the in the job market. It wasn't necessarily about the same thing that entrepreneur has, where it's get results for someone so that they'll continue to pay you. They're happy. They leave you a good review, a good testimonial. 
and you create this kind of recurring machine, the corporate world's a little bit of a different game, or, or at least it can be in my experience in that it's not just that. It's also about how does how do all these people see you? How do you fit into the overall ecosystem? It's more political. And I personally said, I don't like the politics. I like the simplicity of, hey, I fixed your car. It's running. You paid me and you want to refer other people to me and you'll come back the next time that it breaks. Great. This is a lot easier lifestyle and a lot more comfortable lifestyle for me because uh, it's controllable more than waking up one day and someone just decided for whatever subjective or arbitrary decision that, that things aren't working out here at said job. Well, and I think it's, you know, the folks try to tell the young people that come in there, you know, we get interns every year. Mm. I'm like, while you're here, use my money or use our company's money to go out and learn how to master this business. Yeah. Right. I, I want you to have this feeling when you walk out of what it feels like to be the best at doing this to, to, to the business. You know, if they're on the podcast team mm -hmm. or if they're at the CEO group or, or whatever business I have that they're working in, I want is for them to come in and go, look, I want you to know what it feels like to drop the mic. And I cuss. Yeah. I usually get in the office. I go, drop the MNF and mic. I want you to feel that feeling of being a monster. Yeah. Because there's something about that that you know, like you now, if I do it for, for you or if I do it for another company, I I I know I know how to do this. Yeah. And I know how to do this better than anybody else. I'm a master in yep. this realm. And other realms come to you, but learn to master a realm. Now I have value. Right. You know, you know, the podcast team, I'm working with them going, look, you master this. This is the future of the world. There's there's the internet stuff that people you master the internet and marketing and stuff that happens yeah. out here. They're the, the upside uh, of that for them is you know it's it's kind of fun. So yeah, play with take take somebody else's money to learn while you're on right. it. And that's yeah, the, take that's those the opportunities. Way. Right. If you're a chef, yeah, take those opportunities to get those real tangible skills and um, I don't want it to sound boasting, but I only, you know, really know my stories and the clients I've worked with. But to, to your point, um, that was one of the greatest things that actually happened to me during uh, college. I was fighting like crazy and I got an unpaid internship that was a five and a half hour drive from from where I live in, in New York. It was in, in Boston, Massachusetts. I had zero, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And and um, that's actually one of the things that helped get the business started was working for free for an agency that was servicing, uh, well, planning to service, they were just starting. So taking that opportunity as an intern to learn and listen, like, what is it that these clients want to pay for? What, what tangible skill can I learn? And just diving all the way in, like, just literally so focused on I'm going to do nothing but get good at building websites or, it, it, you know, obviously, this is 20 something years ago, but it was brand new super valuable at the time to be able to build websites. No one knew how to do it. No one knew how to, you know, build these banner advertisements. No one knew how to do other things. And it was like, I see the need. I'm going to work for free. I, I don't really care about the pay. The, the pay is in learning the skill and getting the testimonials and the social proof and the client roster and all those kind of things. And then that is in turn between what helped me start the company in college, but then also helped me get the uh, corporate job amongst dozens of applicants at the time. And they told me because of the internship in the business from college, to your point of being able to, within you know, six months, I think it was six months to a year, get all these clients do all this work and have a, a portfolio of things to share with the, with the employer. So not only did it help get new clients at the time, but just having that skill set and taking the time to do it helped 
to get the job. Um, and I always thought that was interesting that this this gentleman is probably 30 years older than me, 35 years older at the time. And he just said, the reason we we hired you over these MIT and Harvard folks is because you have real world experience. You took the time in that internship and all this kind of stuff to okay. uh, to 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 get those skills, those tangible skills. And I'm just a young guy like, oh, you know, what's going on? Really? You know, I was a little bit disbelief because you know you're so heads down taking advantage of those opportunities like you mentioned and i think that's fantastic um that you do that with with your interns it, it's very empowering to them it's fun that um at the end as you grow as an entrepreneur you're looking to build leaders not followers right you start to learn that if you're going to build a company and that like the next evolution of of, of me as a man went from one being a, being an entrepreneur, great, just learn how to do that business. And then great, learn how to build the business, right? Then learn how to build, you know, today I, I have multiple businesses and it, you know, you start to really look at going, I, I can't, I couldn't do this on my own. I, I like that's another path to get to, but you know, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but you know, I wanna go back and really hit home on what it feels like to master a craft. And, you know, at first sure. I, I believe that all the things I did when I was young, I had lots of jobs. Right. I'd, uh, you know, bounced right. around a little bit in my, you know, 17 to 20. I, I had a bunch of, you know, there were six months, but everybody I went to work for, I, I always tell the story. I went to work for a little pool company in Florida and I had right. a little pool route. And then I added on pressure clean for the guy's pool route. And I doubled his income and wow. him and his wife owned this little business and, and they were great. There was this great couple. There was a nice couple, really nice people. And uh, and I and I kind of doubled the income and I started pressure cleaning sidewalks and, and people's patios. And I, you know, and they, they were like, wow, I, we never thought about doing that. I'm like, yeah, I just don't, you know, I, I'd run the pressure cleaner for 50 bucks for the day and I'd go yeah. make 250 bucks. And I made, you know, made the company an extra 200 bucks a day on my route. And yeah. uh, they were like, this is great. Or, you know, the butcher shop I worked for or the telemarketing company I worked for. They were, you know, I was the best, call. I would get in early, I'd call the East Coast, and I'd, yeah. I'd work late and call the West Coast, and just dialing for dollars all day long. Yeah. I couldn't see at the time that they were valuable, right? It was hard, mm -hmm. you know, Steve Jobs as the best. You couldn't see the dots, you know, looking forward. But mm -hmm. when I look backward, I can see how they connected in my life today. 100%. Right? I, mm -hmm. right? I could see how, as soon as I started CDO Group, being able to pick up the phone and literally as I would call a customer and, and tell them what we wanted to do, I was making the business up. Yeah. I, I remember yep. the first phone call. I, I called, you know, people I used to work for, Hey, Bob, I, uh, I, I'd like to do some construction management for you. Well, we, we've got a contractor. Uh, oh, no, no, oh, we, but we've got employees. Well, no, no, here, we, I just want to do your overflow. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, I would describe it. I'm like, well, what, what kind of service do you do? I just kind of thought what my job used to be. And, I'd, I'd kind of, and, that was my, and then how much you could charge? And literally at the time, it was pulling it out of, out of my it's amazing. To, right? It, you, you didn't yeah. know that uh, there. So I think that's okay. It's it's okay to 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 try, even if you, it you is. don't know, right? Yeah, and I think it, it's interesting too, because it, what you're saying, it really gets at the core of at least my belief of what entrepreneurship is. It's understanding where those problems are, how you can help solve those problems. And as you're probably aware, there's always this kind of stigma or kind of stereotype around sales and selling and business. And really, all this is, is getting really good at diagnosing problems and then understanding how to present 
the solution in a way that someone wants to pay for that and they believe in you enough, they're willing to take a shot on you uh, for whatever reasons. Because no one starts at the top, right? You're always starting somewhere and then you're accumulating all this credibility and history and client base and all this kind of stuff. But you have to, just like you're saying, staying so focused on listening What's the market want? What opportunities are there? Can I get really good at this? Or can I team up with someone who is? And just keeping the eye on solving problems that people are willing to pay for. And a lot of entrepreneurs um, or, or kind of aspiring entrepreneurs can forget this or they ignore it, uh, especially in a climate like now, we're currently kind of in a little bit of interesting times, but for years, for the last five, six years, seven years up to this, I'd seen a lot of companies come across my desk with startup ideas. And one of the biggest problems that I saw was that they didn't have a clear problem that they wanted to solve, but they were asking for, you know, 10, 20, 50, you know, sometimes even a hundred million dollars in investment uh, from a venture capital or private equity company. And they're saying, yes, well, what problem do you solve? Well, we'll figure that out. But first we need the money. And I'm like, oh no. This is really scary because, you know, living through the dot-com crash and all that kind of stuff, I saw all the companies go away that followed that kind of model. But at the same time, I saw so many companies do really, really well. It kept focused on, like you said, listening to the market. What do my clients want? What do these potential customers want? What are, what are they looking to solve? And what are they willing to pay for? And just keeping very, very focused on, um, you know, solving those problems where, where the money sits. And I think that's really, really cool um how how you came up through that in kind of a natural progression as i think many of us have well i i always say to people i know what that person at the other side of the phone call i know what's happening in his office or her office every day yeah. i I, yeah. I sat in that seat six mm. different companies and mm. i knew knew that in the morning you know when i worked as a boston market i knew that in the morning we had mm. one plan of development and by midday, somebody would come in and change it. Oh, we bought this new thing, or we bought this new brand, and now we want to convert the lumber. Now it went from you know 200 stores a year to 200 stores a year plus 30 remodels, and then you know Whoa. next week oh, we're going to shift. And that you know that need changed, and I knew that okay, if I could go in there and solve, all right, what happens when your boss walks in the office and says, change of plan. And, I, and I, now I got to go back to my people and go, hey, you know, I just gave you guys all this work, but now I got more work to do. Uh, maybe I could I could fill that need, right? If I if I could yeah. just fill that need, if, right, if the offshoot of extra yes. work, yeah, right, and that that yeah. kind of that kind of work, and, and that's how I got it. And 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 I would always find it at the end of every corner, I was busier because that's when they would get this extra work, like you know, they would make some Wall Street projection projection, and I'll mm -hmm. say like, heck, I stores hey you go you get these 10 stores done and next year we'll give you you know we'll give you a whole bunch more and, and wow. I'd, go, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd go work my tail off and i'd deliver for them and I'd over deliver and, yeah. and during those 10 stores i built such a good relationship yeah then it was hard to leave you you know you kind of get them addicted to you yeah that's awesome yeah and that's the, that's kind of the part i think of, of the work you're doing the work that i'm doing as well is inspiring folks that may not have that innate kind of uh, ability to just kind of jump in and try to figure it out because i think that folks you know like other like us like others that may have had that intuition to do that or 
to be brave enough to even try it and not worry about like, oh no, someone's going to yell at me because I said something wrong or I wasn't good enough or whatever it may be. Like that's, that's a gift that I as well, I don't know where that came from, but I've always had that where I'm just jumping in. Maybe it was because my parents, obviously they weren't going to, you know, be too rough on me as a little kid. And, and I probably had a lot of terrible ideas <laughs> trying to help them in their businesses. But just having that is a huge ingredient um, to kind of always be looking for problems and be be comfortable to say, hey, I, I think I might be able to help fix this and kind of jump into that. And, and I as well have spent a lot of time working with entrepreneurs and um, one of the, and interns as well. And one of the interesting things that I found recently was one of the interns I was helping a few years ago came to me and he was in kind of uh, in, in medicine and in, in medical uh, school. And he said, I want to be an entrepreneur, but I don't think I can be one. And I said, I don't believe that. I, and I just asked him one question. I said, do you solve problems? And he said, he sat and looked at me and said, I do. And I said, well, you can be an entrepreneur. He took that to my surprise, went and created two medical I think they're like would be considered medical device companies. He was awarded a grant um, with an incubator accelerator in the greater Chicago area. He took that and invented a very like a problem. One of them solves the problem where folks will be injured and have very large wounds that can't be healed or repaired. He created a, a medical sponge type system. I'm probably tearing this apart really bad, but basically he fixes a really big problem. Then another problem that monitors like uh, adherence to very life-saving um, medications and things like this. And, and it, he called me, I just said, this, this is absolutely amazing what, where you started and where you came to. And he said that it, a lot of it that gave him the courage to even try that was just the conversations that we'd have around uh, problem solving and framing what kind of an entre what, what an entrepreneur is. And he gets all the credit for this because he went and built a team and took all this stuff and applied to all these, you know, venture firms and, you know, incubators and accelerators and all this stuff. But that of everything that I do, I can honestly say gave me personally the most reward was seeing him get on his own way to get his own wings in entrepreneurship. And that I can do that all. I would love it if just planting those seeds and doing that kind of stuff all day long for people. It's so cool. Well, I I think that's where the evolution of us goes, right? You, you start off, okay, I need to do this for me, right? I need to, I need to pay my bills. I, I would tell right. you that my early, I was a selfish, right? And I don't mean selfish in a bad way, but I just, mm -hmm. I had to, I was just about me, 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 pay my bills, my bills. Oh my yep. God, I need money. I, I get a car payment. And yeah, then trouble. you start realizing, right? If, if I started, if I can change that a little bit, if mm -hmm. I started helping others, like my customers, if I solve that big problem for them, mm -hmm. right? If I was able to, the, the person that hired me, if I if I was, my line with them is, you know, when they call me up and ask me, hey, can you do this for me? I'm like, absolutely. Look, my job is to take things off your desk. Mm -hmm. If I can take things off your desk and make your life better, mm -hmm. I've got a great business, right? If, if I'm supporting now, how do you, how do you monetize that? How do you organize all that? Right. Mm -hmm. That's that, that's a piece we talk about next is that, as we grow, as we have the idea, right? For me, it's always about expand and organize, expand and organize, mm -hmm. right? And, and right between those two things, I always find a little bit of hecticness, right? Sometimes yes. even scare yeah. the crap out of myself, even sometimes oh. even little disaster, right? Sure. As, as you, 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 but you know, 
and today I know it's a good sign. Today I know that when <laughs> something goes wrong, it's actually a good sign, right? Because yeah. now I have organized. I've grown, right? The, mm-hmm. the, you know, building uh, a new team or you're trying something new on. Right. It doesn't, when you're young and you're broke, it doesn't feel that way. You're like, you know, what the hell? It's falling uh, apart. And the world. Yeah, I'm in trouble. And, yeah. Right. How am I going to pay and, my and rent? How am I going to pay my mortgage? How am I going to eat? Right. And and, and, that's, and that's true when you're there, right? At, at first. Yeah. That's right. Losing, losing a month when I was month to month, hand to hand to mouth every day that was there. Today, I've got a little bit more room. You know, sure. I say what's good is I've got I've got a lot more line to reel out to yeah. catch a big fish. Um, yeah. It wasn't always that way. It was early yeah, days. Kind of dug up was, some you dug up some memories for me. <laughs> some old memories became very real here in the last couple of seconds. But um, yeah, to that point, I mean, I think I'd like to touch on that just a little bit because that's an important point. Like. We live in an interesting time where entrepreneurship, like I think when we were kids, entrepreneurship was not a cool thing. It wasn't televised like Shark Tank and all these different shows and and all these kind of things. Um, It was always said, hey, most businesses fail, you know, one out of 10 only make it, you know, nine out of, you know, nine out of 10 fail and and just get a good job and take, be a lawyer, a doctor or whatever, get this, go to school, be secure and all this kind of stuff. Well, one, I didn't, I don't, I don't know about that. I love entrepreneurship entrepreneurship like it was just going against where my natural kind of gravitation was but um nowadays it's kind of a, a different world where um talking to a, a few of my friends and one of them is a legitimate billionaire he started several companies and he said when i started my company in the late 80s early 90s there was really no such thing as venture capital you didn't go get a loan and get your salary taken care of and get nice office space with all this equipment and all this stuff. He's like, I was literally like cashing out credit cards. I was taking loans from friends and family. Uh, had checks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like just literally, and I don't like his model. I'm like thinking when he's talking to me, I was like, I can't be you. So I think to that point is we have to find out where we really sit um, in entrepreneurship. Some of us, um, are maybe okay with doing that kind of model where you're you're really on the edge every second and you don't know where the next you know dollar is going to come from, but then others may say I would I need I have more responsibility so I do need to go get a little bit of funding just to take care of the kind of baseline you know kind of living expenses and so forth so that I can comfortably you know build this company without literally getting it off the ground and then being like well I got to go take a job because I I don't have any runway here you know, to kind of get the company going. So entrepreneurship can be really great. It can also be very scary, but I think we have to understand like, where is it that we are? Do we have enough money saved up where we feel comfortable with a little bit of time to start this business? Do we have access to where we can get cash flow in the business pretty quickly? Like just taking some of those basics in, into, into account. But um, I think we do live in a great time of entrepreneurship where there, in this could change, there are opportunities currently for, you know, getting things like funding for ideas and so forth, or you can tradition, do what's traditionally called bootstrapping, where you don't take any funding because you have the ability to generate cash flowing clients um, pretty quickly. So I think that's kind of an important thing in entrepreneurship is I think you and I both kind of went into it head over heels with we got to make this happen or else. But I think everyone needs to answer that question for themselves, really. Are you comfortable? Do you naturally gravitate toward that? Or should you take a different kind of model where you start with this, what we consider like a side hustle and then graduate into it? it? It's really, I'm not a big fan of the kind of broad stroke 
kind of things when it comes to entrepreneurship. I think it's really something that everyone has to decide for themselves, right? Because we all have different responsibilities, risk tolerance, and, and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. You know, it is not for every, you know, jumping in full-fledged and going at it is not everybody's cup of tea. You know, mm. uh, I, I, I would say for me, it was great that I was young. I didn't have mm. a lot of bills or responsibilities. You know, I, I hadn't yeah. had my first kid yet. Uh, I was mm -hmm. married. And at the time, my, my wife was, it was, a, you know, uh, had, a, had a job. And so we, we could, you know, it was a little bit easier economically, but it's still, you know, it was still month to month, you know, mm -hmm. and some of that is, I, I think it's healthy. You know, um, I, uh, even, even as we grow and, and as big as we get as a company and, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, people all the time come to me and go, Hey, do you want to, you want to, you know, banks ask me all the time for to borrow money. And the problem <laughs> I have with that is I'm a cash, I'm a cash kid. I, everything okay. I do is cash. And people mm -hmm. are always asking me, you know, Hey, if, you know, do you want to do an acquisition or I'm like, look, if we have it in cash, I'll do it. But the That's problem is I went bankrupt in 2010, mm -hmm. right? I, I did that model. And, and the problem I have was I wasn't frugal after that. You mm -hmm. know, um, I started bank loans and I started making decisions that were a little bit beyond what I should have made, right? Mm -hmm. I started doing things and hiring people. And yep. some of the stuff that we did, I, I look back and go, man, I, I leveraged, I, I went through a personal bankruptcy in 2010 yep. and it was, it was humbling. I was, I, you know, mm -hmm. I had two weeks before Christmas, I had to let 33 people go. Mm -hmm. And I got the call from my accountant. He's like, you don't have any more money. I'm like, how could you do that? Wow. Like, I have no more money. Yeah, you don't, wow. you're, you're, you're broken. Yep. You got to tell these people, you're not going to make payroll roll next week. And yep. that's not fair to them. I'm like, it's Christmas. I can't let people go. It's Christmas. Mm -hmm. we, you know, uh, the economy had crashed. And, you know, so that will, I think those experiences of going through that made me a little bit, a little bit more frugal with mm -hmm. the way I, I look at spending in a business, you know, and I try to really keep yeah. the parts of the business where I made those mistakes that, 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 you know, if you have to let people go, you know, 33 people go, yeah. that feeling something I never want to feel again. So I know as much as, uh, you know, as, as much as getting the customers is important, getting up every morning and yeah. knowing that I've all these mouths to feed and these different companies, making sure that, you know, I run an ethical business where I can keep, you know, a year's worth of payroll in the yep. bank or, uh, you know, things I need to do to make sure that the organization is a healthy organization. That's um, wonderful. I, I think some of that stuff comes from, but that all comes from having messed up. I, yeah, I experience. I, I, I don't, Con that's constructive I don't, experience. I don't, like you learn from those things, right? Like, that, and, and that's very interesting because in this class, I mean, and I know like, let's say someone's listening to what we're talking about five years from now can be a completely different business climate, but I grew up in the cash flowing business. Like it had to make money or you couldn't pay your staff. You couldn't pay yourself. You couldn't pay your rent. You couldn't pay your mortgage. You couldn't eat. So I as well am a huge fan of cash flowing businesses because if you at least have that, then you have something you know, substantial that you can, it's a living machine that's producing enough margin to survive on its own. Whereas we are currently, and maybe coming, I don't know, coming to a tail end of, a, of another one of these kind of, you know, kind of pendulum swings of, 
a lot of folks were like, no, take all this funding, just spend it, spend it, spend it, acquire customers. It doesn't matter if they're prof if you're profitable or not. We just want to see that you're growing in mass and all that kind of stuff. And that's great. As long as there's a market for that, you can continue to get funding to feed that machine when you're not generating positive cash flow. And then there's another bigger buyer out there that will come and buy you up. But as we've seen many times in our lifetimes, there's an issue with that because it always does come to a bottom and it comes down and then it recovers at least, at least in my lifetime. But when it comes down, then there's no more loans. There's no more um, people to buy you and to maybe consume you before you completely go out of business, what we call a successful exit. And, um, and uh, you know, then you're in trouble because you can't pay, you can't, you're, you know, you have to let employees go and so forth. You can't pay yourself. You can't pay the bills. And the company gets into a very, very difficult position. So I've always been an extremely big fan of, of cash flowing businesses. Not to say there's nothing wrong with trying to, you know, build something up and, and have a huge exit and kind of be the, you know, winning all the awards and accolades of people saying, look at these guys, you know, they sold their company for a hundred million dollars or something like that. But then, you know, when I look at some of those stories, I'm like, wow, if those guys had waited another two months, they would have been out of business because they didn't have a real profitable thing. So it's like yeah. almost like Vegas business versus what I would consider nice cash flowing, reasonable business. And and you have to decide which I, which one of those do you want, right? I, I look, there are people who are a lot smarter than I am that know how to do oh. those other businesses. The, the ones yeah, that uh, I, I, um, they pump them up and they go. I've always been of the, of the, of the nature of build a good long-term I'm, mm -hmm. I, you know, I'm, it's not going to be uh, uh, overnight success. It's not going to be, you're not going to get mm -hmm. it, you know, but, but the idea is it's kind of like a poker game. I, I feel like we play, we play like a poker game. It's, you don't need to bet all, you need, don't need to go all in, right? Mm -hmm. Just play a good solid game, solid right. game, solid game. But when the cards come, right, and the economy comes, you know, I, I can look back and go, okay, I didn't always play that way. I always, when sure. I was younger, I played a lot, you know, in fact, up until 2010, I was mm -hmm. playing that other game and mm -hmm. all of a sudden I went through that, that downside of it. And then I learned, okay, let's play more like a, like a long-term poker game. And, and the idea is that, all right, you're playing, you're playing, you know, play uh, smart. Don't, don't get crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, just always remember, you know, unless you have the hand, don't go anywhere. And then when the right one comes, yeah. go all in and brands yep. like, you know, I remember I, I go back and go like 2017, uh, 2018, when McDonald's came to us and gave us a hundred million dollars worth of work, you know, we were kind of just trotting along, yeah. you know, 15, you know, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 were real rebuild years. And then 16, 17 came along and, and then it was just very solid. McDonald's came in and then I said, mm -hmm. all right, this is to go all in. And we put it literally put all the chips on the table, uh, brought a whole bunch of people on, <laughs> but and, the other part about that is, and I think this is a part to talk about, is what about the entrepreneur themselves? Look, mm -hmm. I, I, I think as much as working on the business is good, but what about working on you, on yourself, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that part of me had to grow up, right? Mm -hmm. as, as an entrepreneur, I think that there was a big part of me learning to be a better human, that mm -hmm. the work I did on Anthony, the better the business did, right? Mm -hmm. From the, the way lived the way that i took care of myself the way those behaviors yeah. the entrepreneur themselves right their integrity i believe comes out in their business yes and um 
the more work that we do on ourselves, the fears, the anxieties, the, you know, what I, what I always tell people, this big red bag of crap I carry around in life, this the shame, guilt, fear yeah. stuff. I had to work on that, right? And that took yep. some, that took a different group of people, right? There's a sure. team, I, I, I tell people, I've got, a, I've got a whole group of people around me, medically, mentally, uh, business-wise, that all work on Anthony, the human, to help work on these businesses that, that, that we have. Yeah, right? so I think that's, that's a, a big part to talk about. Yeah, that's huge. And how many hours do we have? Because <laughs> this is a very this is a very important topic. Um, I think that, you know, we talked about at the beginning here that um, entrepreneurship can be a very lonely place. It's very stressful. You have a lot of responsibility that maybe people that have you know, kind of um, you're on a salary or something like that. And things are kind of just moving along. When you're an entrepreneur, you don't really have that. There's so much pressure. And unless we have training, um, help, support in those spaces, um, we're just kind of taking things as they come and we're not prepared. And I've seen a lot of entrepreneurs kind of get chewed up um, from this because it starts to impact the human side of us, the relationships, our own, our physical health, our mental health, um, these kind of things. So, yes, I I agree that um, if we're not running well ourselves, it's very difficult to run a really good business. And I've I've been pleasantly surprised. I've actually visited a few uh, what would be considered a business incubator, where several companies start up inside of a let's say a singular location, yeah. and they're starting to support give this kind of support um, where in the past it was kind of like, make this work or you're going out of business. And, you know, it's this thing that just grinds us up and throws us away. Whereas now it's kind of like, Hey, is everything okay? Let's make sure everything, you know, you have someone to talk to. There's a support team here. There's a group. It's okay to again, ask for help, not just, Hey, how do I make this sale or how do I handle this particular business situation? But how, you know, I'm, I'm feeling this way. I'm, I'm having, uh, you know, let's say a panic attack or anxiety or whatever it may be. And you can get help with that, knowing that you shouldn't be ashamed or, or feel bad about that. And that's one positive thing that I've seen in, in the last, I would say five, five years yeah. or so that's become more commonplace. And over here, you can't see it, but I have a plethora of books in a bookshelf on um, kind of, general kind of mindset frameworks on on resilience and how to handle things and and just to kind of have a, a place of of being but um yeah entrepreneurship that's that's kind of the 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 downside that that's not talked about a lot is the the sincere pressure that um on either we put on ourselves or the outside world is kind of putting on us to kind of succeed all the time you know go 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 and um, I'm, I'm very, very happy that it is uh, acceptable now to get help and to have a good, good support group and, and to kind of keep yourself in a place of good, very good well-being so that your engine is running well. Going back to my dad's mechanic story, if your engine's running great, you can do a lot of things. If it's not, every, not only you can suffer, but your entire family and all your friendships and, and things like that. Uh, can kind of uh, really get in trouble from my experience. So it's a very, it's a very good point. You know, keep the body, the mind, body, uh, spirit well, and then the rest of it. I mean, not, look, not going to, not, not that being an entrepreneur is easy. And I'm not trying to scare people away with that because working at corporate isn't easy, right? Working no. at corporate, corporate environment isn't easy. 
look, and, and people want this work-life balance. It's great. Yeah, you're not going to get it. Look, <laughs> if you're working and when, the, when, 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 you know, I, I think that sounds great to write a book, work-life balance and the four quadrants of life. I love it. But when work is happening, you know, you're working. And when life yeah. is happening, you're laughing. And try to find as much of, try to be in those moments completely. You know, for, when I'm at work, I try to be completely at work, right? Uh, and mm. I mean, you know, look at my distractions, look at the distractions I have at the office. You know, do I bring the, you know, how many people do you know that are in here? I'm in this podcast and my phone go, went off. It actually interrupted yeah. my podcast by, by distracting me to go in there. How many, how many places in my day does that happen? How, how much can I mm -hmm. focus on the business? Itself? So if I, if yeah. I'm going to go back in and go, have a great idea, right? I can come up with the idea that you're talking about the finding the solution for the customer, yeah. right? And then ha having them go to that next step and start to become an entrepreneur. What are those steps? Let's start start talking about how to organize uh, taking the big leap, right? You're, now you have the idea, you've got the problem you want to solve, mm -hmm. right? You, you've talked a little bit about that. Now you, you're going to get the 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 hutzpah to, to go do it. What sure. do I do on Monday morning? What do I do on Monday morning to start my start my my new deal? What am I doing yeah. at 8 a.m. on Monday morning? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I will answer from kind of my clients and, and my perspective on that one. Um so there there are really kind of two camps that I that I see today. One is the one where you take a big loan basically to get some venture capital or private equity, a brand new startup. And that gives you the ability to then, you know, you can pay set salaries and do those kind of things. So it's almost not that much different than if you were working for a company where you're getting a paycheck every two weeks. Now, in my world, I, I had done things that particular way. I'd done it where it was, we need to get a client that will pay us as soon as possible and do it profitably and do it over and over so that we can grow and scale the business. Then we can take on uh, more people to help us. We can grow our team. And I've done most of my personal businesses have been grown that way where it starts with something. And the reason that, that I say that I like that is because that's where I think fear and um, objectivity of it is extremely powerful because you either figure it out or you don't so that you don't go a very long period of time saying, oh, I got this great idea. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. Year goes by, you know, we don't, we're not on this round rock for that long in the grand scheme of things. So I want to quickly find out as fast as possible, will people pay for this thing, this solution? Can we do it profitably? Is there um, at least one advertising and or new client uh, lead generation source that we can utilize predictably and then you know starting in, in your question starting that monday it is okay do we have the thing can we quickly get in front of people as fast as possible to say hey i have this solution to this problem that i'm pretty sure you have and you want to solve do you want it from me or not and the quicker that you can figure that out the better off you'll be and the minute that you do figure it out that means you have a client once you have a client that then you have responsibility to deliver on the thing that you said you could deliver to the client and then that kind of forces you in the what I would call the right the right direction in a positive way. So you're not focusing on things that don't matter, but really it makes you focus on what, what does matter. And that is servicing the client so that you can get paid, which is very important. And then that you can improve your processes so that you can become more profitable over time and that you can hire more people. So for me, it's really, there's I, I have a, a framework here 
um, sitting on my wall. And it, and it really comes down to the three things, which is getting leads from the people that are most predisposed to, to want to buy the solution I have, getting them to convert, getting them to buy from me. And then it comes down to the economics, the third part, the profitability. Can I fine tune that whole system to make it profitable? And it becomes like an infinity loop. For me, at the time, it was finding directors of construction for the brands that were growing. And I would read you know, the, the you know, top growing franchise brands. I would read all the magazines that supported the groups that were growing. And mm -hmm. then I would hunt the people down that ran those departments and just say, all right, hey, hey, my name's Anthony. And literally every time I would call, it would go through that. And then I'd follow up with an email. And, and then I, and then I'd, once I got their email and talking to them, Hey, just want to check in, uh, you know, and, and I would then kind of create the drip campaign yep. and stuff that you know, for me, my business was about being there when their boss walked in. Right. right. So that as soon as their boss walked in and said, Hey, I got 10 more projects. I, hey, did they remember Anthony, that guy who called, did I, you know, communicate away with him in a way that was, that was pleasant. And so just finding that system for me was really important. And but then you the also magazine. Led, you led with a helping hand as well. You weren't calling just to, as many do, right? Just to, to be seen as like, a, like lack of a better term, an annoying pest. You were in a, somewhat of an invited guest helping, leading with that solution, coming forward with it, taking the time to think about that beforehand. How can I be helpful um, to you? That's, that's great. You know, and starting that and spending most of the time there. And then, then all the brochure stuff came in. Our first brochures were literally <laughs> Word documents and <laughs> like a little Word flyer. And, awesome. and then, you know, we got you know, our, our first big accounts. I remember were Einstein bagels. They gave me like 30 projects. And then amazing. I, and then we get, yeah, then we get this project for, for red, red, uh, red lobster. And that was, that was amazing, right? There was time to be able to mm -hmm. get those, those, those big, and I remember the first time Red Lobster, we were all, there was three of us in this little office and we had a dining room table. One worked on one end, one worked on the other end. And one of us worked on the garbage can. And uh, <laughs> and, and we had him on speaker and, and yeah. Evan Johnson from from uh, from Red, Red Lobster said, hey, we're going to give you guys these 30 projects. And we almost passed out. Oh. Yeah, like literally, now the problem was we had thrown, our, they didn't realize we we're just three people in the office. Yeah. And I, I, I call it throwing your keys over the fence. We Kind of, yeah, yeah. We got, Guess what? Now, 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 now you're, you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> now yeah. you're an entrepreneur. Right. You got a client. Yeah. Now you got now to deliver on that promise, right? Yeah, and we did. And we just and it was hectic and a mess, and it wasn't perfect. And but I, you know, we communicated and we worked our butt off and we over delivered. Yeah. And uh, I think there's where the fun part of it goes. And then you know, from there, those are all learning stuff for an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think all entrepreneurs. If we can guide them through those those first parts of it, mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a key part. Yeah, and I think what you just said, honest, honestly, is that's where the real part of entrepreneurship, like forget Hollywood and TV and all this, that's when real entrepreneurship happened. It happens at that point. Like up until that point of the client saying yes, and they're willing to work with you or the buyer, if you're in a direct-to-consumer business, you know, if they want to buy the thing, you created something and, and they want to buy it. But that's the point when we really, truly become what I would call a real entrepreneur, because now someone has said, hey, I'm willing to take you up on what you said you're going to help me do, and I'm willing to pay you. And that kind of kicked off the starter on the engine. Now the engine is kind of starting, and that's when the entrepreneurial engine 
actually really happens. It's not the brochure. It's not the pretty website. It's not the office. It's not how many employees you have. It's not how many trophies you have or how many times you're on, you know, one of the major, you know, business publications talking about that you took another round of funding or something like that. It's when you are servicing the client effectively is when, is when you really have a business and your cash starts to move into the, into the business. You're able to then grow and keep that machine running effectively uh, um, you know, instead of, a, you know, just kind of a one-off situation. So I think that's like the, the beautiful entrepreneurial moment. And, and I know that feeling as well. And any entrepreneurs listening uh, to this podcast know that feeling as well as like, holy cow, this just came real and we're in business. You know, now we're in business. Now we have to deliver, you know, to what we, what we promised. And I think I, I like to at least believe that that's, that's real true entrepreneurship at that level. That that's, that's amazing. Yeah, that, that's there. That's the, that's the artistic part of it. Now the energy really starts to flow and you start flowing into segment two of the engine. Let's talk a little mm -hmm. bit about segment two of the engine. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So the framework I use, and I keep pointing over here to my to my wall because I need these frameworks to keep me on track so I don't get the entrepreneurial distractions that many of us get. Um, so for me, the, the real goal of every business, or at least it should be, is to get clients. It's to keep those clients. Uh, if, if you're in a recurring business model or a model where people will come back and buy over and over again, like my father's mechanic business, things are always breaking and you know they're going to want to come back six months, a year from whatever. So you want to Get them, service them well, get them to return and continue to pay you. Then you want to grow those clients' relationships as well by like like you were doing early in your career, asking what else they need help with, uh, what other things can I do for you? And you're expanding the value of each of those clients. And then you want to overwhelm them so much with the quality of what you're doing so that those, what I would consider your best clients, um, through a structured process become referrals to attract other people just like them into your business. So getting them, keeping them, growing them, and then multiplying them through referral is the framework that, that I always stick to at least to get that initial entrepreneurial business engine started. And then like I'd mentioned before, after that, it becomes, you you know, you don't know how how big of a market is this going to be? How feverish of a market is it going to be? Um, how small of a market is it going to be? Um, those are the things that are, that come, that come later. But if you don't have that core piece in place, the whole thing could, could literally just fall apart. And then, and then you are all of a sudden not an entrepreneur <laughs> anymore. It's, it's always hard it's, I, I tell our, our folks all the time, once you get a customer, it's always better to keep that customer and grow that customer than it is to get a new customer, right? Yes. So at first, you learn how to get a customer. Then mm -hmm. your goal is to keep the customer, right? If I can keep the longer, yes. I can keep them and I'll, I'll keep that customer and that brand. And the more work I can do for that same brand, the better it is because mm -hmm. I, I can keep putting them in the top. But if they keep falling out of the bottom, it's not helping, right? No. You know, you're, at some point, you just exhaust yourself. And Absolutely, then, and everything you know, falls I, apart. Yep. How do I grow them and get more profitable? Becomes the steps inside of that. Now, I think it's important that as you start to grow as an entrepreneur, the other things that really start to happen are when does a business start to outgrow its original entrepreneur, 
right? Mm-hmm. I think this is a, this is a, a big one to talk about because I, yeah. I've you know when I I literally you know CDO group for me outgrew me, right? It, yep. it became to a point where my skill set I didn't have the skills to go any further than I had, and right. I was doing great, but I wanted to go more. Now the problem was I had to be willing to be vulnerable and say I don't know what I'm doing. That's that, a fantastic and, point. It's scary because, you know, look, your ego got you where you are. You're doing okay. You know, now I'd like to go somewhere bigger and different, but I don't know how to do that yet. Right. We start bringing in some, so we, I I started bringing some, some business coaches in Mm -hmm. and there, there became a whole nother, you know, I I tell the story all the time about the business woman who was my business coach and she would, she comes to my office one day. She goes, Hey, 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 goes today. Today and she was a, kind of a, a big woman. She and she's always excited. Today, 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 we're uh, we're gonna lock your door. I'm like, okay, great, great. I'm gonna be in my office. We're gonna lock the door, and I'm focused today. Yeah. You know, people won't distract me. She goes, no, 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 no. You're gonna stay on this side of the door and not distract them. Oh wow. What? What? Yeah. She goes, <laughs> yeah. Because you, you're the king of hiring these great people. And then you walk out there and you take all their oxygen because your uh, ego, something you're doing, you're not realizing this. And she just called me out and I didn't see wow. it. I couldn't. Yeah. Right. I didn't see it. It was humbling. Yeah. Right. I, I, now sit there and be vulnerable was tough. I, I, I literally sat there and I was thinking about how could this be right? Okay. Got yeah. it. And I, and I started looking at it going, all right, I, I could be the bottleneck that, because I keep walking out there and, 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 and showing the S on my chest, how great yeah. I am, how yeah. that could be affecting the ability for, for people to take on more responsibility and grow. Sure. And it was humbling. And, but the it best is. thing that's ever happened, right? All of a sudden I realized, look at all, look what happened when, once we changed that. Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And I, I think that's great. I am. Um, I remember I was, probably 22 years old at the time working uh, that first job that I'd mentioned earlier out of college. And the CEO was the founding CEO, started the business and got it off the ground. And he said that um, when we started the company, he's he was very self-aware. So I think self-awareness and being vulnerable is very, very big. If you want to scale, like that's the number one question. Do you want to just stay where you are and running it and be an operational, active entrepreneur, CEO, founder. That's one thing. But if you want to scale, then it does mean building that kind of team of superheroes that can go do the things that need to be done to run the company. And this particular CEO founder said, all right, everybody, in front of about 450 people at our at our all-company conference, we're going to be bringing in a new uh, CEO because I need to pass the baton. I'm great at getting a company off the ground and getting it running, but I am not what I would call an operational CEO for running a larger business. So I'm going to gracefully pass the baton to this new person, whoever that may be. And I just want to let everyone know, but I'm still here. It's just, we need to evolve and we need to have this different person. So for me, that was a lesson in self-awareness and massive vulnerability in front of, in front of everyone. And I think that that that's ultimately what it comes down to is making that decision of, well, do I want to continue running this thing for the rest of my life because I love it and it's just part of who I am and and I couldn't see myself not being the you know day-to-day person. But if I want to move out, the entrepreneurs that I've worked with have consciously said, okay, it's time to 
start working toward understanding where are my strengths, where are my passions, how do I help this company grow, and then where are the parts that need to be filled by someone else because I don't have the superpower um, in those places. And it is one of the more difficult things that I think a company that has any level of growth or sustainability uh, goes through with scale. Um, and there are levels of businesses, right? Like you're getting off the ground, you're really scrappy, you don't have a lot of standard operating procedures or any kind of real operation. There's a lot of fun, you're taking on clients, you're generating cash flow and doing all these kind of things. But then you start to formalize things. And then the business is kind of like going up a set of stairs and it's changing. And the management style needs to change and the strengths of the management team need, need to change. So I think like plan for early, it's understood that it happen. It doesn't become a surprise, like avoiding as many true surprises as you can in that area, I think is extremely um, um, helpful. But yeah, if you want to scale, the truth is you're going to have to, you're going to have to have a really great team of superheroes that can can do those can do those things it can't be you know one person making every single decision forever or else you stay stuck at that level or it starts to burn that person out and they go and the whole business goes away absolutely i, I you know i don't think it's sustainable right i, I always hmm. say to people you're either growing or you're dying and yep. uh you know you try to go out there and figure I, i've never been able to find a way where it just cruises forever uh you know it, it just doesn't feel like way as an entrepreneur it feels like i'm always either i got to keep evolving and keep changing and put keep going to the next level or i'm not there you know i i feel like uh we have gone a long way and i i think you and i will have lots and lots more podcasts together you know i'd like to Absolutely. wrap it up and maybe kind of take us down a path and just kind of wrap up the ideas and uh i guess to a place where we can kind of give some last minute kind of support for the entrepreneur out there. Yeah, absolutely. It's been honestly a lot of fun and I really appreciate it. I love entrepreneurship. I love just helping people. And, and my concern is that, uh, you know, I tend to get off the rails and I hope we didn't take people down a, a path that's not useful to them. So um, just in, in to recap, going back to kind of the framework concept, like if I'm just going back 25 years to let's say when starting the first company, that, that may be helpful for someone who's just starting out and, and kind of giving them a little bit of a framework to, to kind of recap what we've spoken about today. One is I truly believe that entrepreneurship is all about pro solving problems. So if you're good at solving a problem, you can be an entrepreneur um, as much as you, you may or may not think that, that that's the case, but entrepreneurship is all about solving problems. And then if we solve problems that people are willing to pay to have solved, then we become an entrepreneur, especially if they want to pay us. So starting with that simple framework um, is a really good place to start. And many times we learn that in a career, working at a company, uh, working in a family business, or just observing something. Uh, we, we tend to find out that there's something that we love doing, we enjoy it, and that will set us on our entrepreneurial career, as you said, uh, you've done throughout your lifetime. And that's kind of what happened to me growing up in an entrepreneurial business and then seeing different things uh, throughout throughout my career had sparked me uh, to be an entrepreneur. And then th the real second part that I will leave with is don't be afraid to ask for help and be very strategic and proactive about creating a group of people that can be your true advisors uh, that you can rely on when you're just, even if you're just feeling down and you want someone to talk to, 
like a, a third party to, to have a chat with, but also be very strategic about folks that are in your industry. Maybe they've done it before you so that you can model them. Um, there's a lot of folks that are very successful that would love to advise people that are starting companies, but I've been told people just don't ask them because they're afraid or, or whatever it may be, you know? So they're like, well, you know, just, and I've done it myself. You say, oh, I don't want to bother them. They're busy. They're, they're very wealthy. They're above me. They're not going to talk to me, that kind of thing. Forget that. Throw that out the window. Talk to as many people as you can and, and ask them to advise you so that you aren't the lonely, frustrated entrepreneur. Because that, that is one thing that, that can tend to get to us in this space. And then the last bit is entrepreneurial entrepreneurship. Um, for me specifically over the last 20 plus years has been one of the most fun things I've ever done. Um, I love it. I don't see myself ever doing anything else. And uh, to that point about advisory, I'm here as much as I humanly possibly can help other people in their entrepreneurial journey to help them in any way I can. And I don't mean that in a pure you know, business capitalistic way. I spend a lot of time helping new entrepreneurs um, get off get off the ground. I help interns. I'm part of many programs. So I'm here to help. And um, hopefully someone listening to this podcast, at least one person uh, will say, hey, I think I got an idea and I'm going to go do this entrepreneurship thing and, and um, you know, really change their lives and their family's life and so forth. That's awesome. Jeremiah, if, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they get a hold of you? I think probably the best way to do it is just to go to LinkedIn and look for, for my name, Jeremiah Baker. And we can connect awesome. there and they have all the fun chat tools and all that kind of stuff uh, built in for us. Well, Jeremiah, I got to tell you, I love this podcast. It's a lot of fun for me <laughs> uh, talking about that entrepreneur experience is great. And I look forward to having you on many, many more times. Uh, to continue talking about the growth of this and the ideas here. So uh, thanks for being on there. Thank you, I Anthony. Guess if, uh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I guess thanks for uh, sticking along with us. If you liked our podcast, please take a second and just say, uh, uh, hit, hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked it, make sure you hit the bell. It, uh, it, it makes a big difference when we see that and knowing that we're hitting it. If you have any questions or comments, please put them down below. We'll make sure we answer those for you. And uh, we're thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining us. My name is Anthony Montegi. Always looking for people to bring insight into the industry, finding ways to inspire people to have amazing careers in the development world. If you liked our podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe button down below. If you really liked our podcast, make sure you hit the little bell. Thanks again for listening. Please share it with your friends.